Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Arbol Yellen, a product manager and former test developer for Job Test Prep. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the dreaded Watson Glazer test, breaking down some advice for each of the main five question types you'll receive, some general tips to keep in mind throughout, as well as his thoughts and perspectives on the test from a writer's perspective. Let's get into it. So hi, Arbol. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Harry. Uh, glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. And today discussing, I think, something I get more questions about than anything else, which is the Watson Glazer test and how it plays into the recruitment processes, and especially for law firms as well, certainly a favorable method of their sort of application stages. Um, but before we get too much into this really tricky topic that I'm sure a lot of people will learn about, um, it'd be great just to hear a little bit about your sort of background to date and your sort of experience and knowledge working within psychometric tests and sort of being um, part of the people who are there behind the scenes working on putting them together and writing them and delivering them as a product as well. Uh, great, I'd love to tell. Um, I've been a teacher or instructor and uh, for many, many, many years from since I was a uh, a youth kid. Um, I've been actually a, a class teacher for SAT-like uh, test, mm -hmm. um, teaching personally and uh, in front of a class, and also doing some book work. But uh, I came to job test prep as a test developer, which means I started with writing and uh, writing verbal uh, reading comprehension tests. Um, questions, answers, explanations, making it all up, mm -hmm. uh, basing it on real tests, trying to be as close as you can, but not uh, actually the same. Um, and after a few years, I moved to the product uh, managing uh, department, product management, uh, which means I'm, I'm in really close touch with the customers. Um, when they come onto our site, how they interact with us, um, I, I, I have my email all over uh, the site. Uh, people ask me direct questions. And we try to help as much as we can. I also have a Twitter account uh, appear in YouTube and uh, on um, Quora uh, forums, uh, the student room, right? And um, I try to be, we, we try here, and that's my main goal, to help as many as we can and accurately, not just mm -hmm. uh, leading them on. So you're certainly qualified. I imagine your inbox must be very busy if it's <laughs> out there as well with all of the emails. But um, no, it's great to have someone who's who's sort of been part of the teams there designing and writing some of these tests, with a lot, which are with a lot of sort of candidates struggle with. Um, and I guess a really nice sort of basic introductory question would just be you, your thoughts on what you think the Watson Glazer test specifically is and how it might you know compare to other psychometric tests out there, for example. Uh, the Watson Glazer is definitely the most controversial test we we have we offer preparation for. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been on discussion on many subjects uh, all the time. Um, it's 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 also known as the WGCTA, mm -hmm. Watson Glazer Critical Thinking Appraisal. It's a thirty-minute, forty-questions aptitude test. Sounds uh, okay thus far. <laughs> and uh, it's used by, uh, like you said, law firms all around the world and uh, global law firms uh, headquartered in London, uh, like Linklater, Clifford Chance, Hogan Lovells. Uh, it's actually used by pub public health sector also. Mm 
for public health uh, specialists uh, hiring process. Um, it's not coincidental that the law firms use the Watson laser test because it aims um, to measure single, a single trait that is very important for lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, critical thinking. Now, that means how, to, how you analyze an issue, how you form a judgment or draw conclusions from it. That's the whole thing. You have five sections in the test. They all revolve around the same kind of uh, skill. Um, the test is considered uh, one of the hardest pre-employment assessment you can mm-hmm. find. And many candidates have trouble adjusting to their own logic to the logic of the test. Yeah, well, I think I'll explain uh, about it later. Mm-hmm. No, I think you've you've given a good outline there as to why it's, it can be so difficult, and also it's really popular across law firms. I'll agree, and certainly when I was an applicant, trying to to get past this stage was was my Achilles heel and something that I really struggled with. Um, and uh, no, to hear the thoughts of someone like yourself who's, who's been there and written the test would have been really useful. So um, I guess just on that sort of further point, then you said it sounds quite basic in terms of it's a 40 minute sort of segment or whatever. But why is it you, you, that you think candidates find this, this stage of applications and this specific test so difficult? Um, I think, well, I know from, con- from many candidates, from many customers, mm-hmm. uh, that sometimes the logic of the test just doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. it's a it's a different kind of logic it's not always that intuitive you will find some uh, people that their own simple logic is exactly like the test and Mm -hmm. that's amazing but not most of most people my logic also doesn't really work on the watson glazer and we get complaints for customers about how the answer we wrote to a certain question is not correct because you need to really learn the, the test. Uh, for example, something that uh, is on the test and not outside of it, uh, on form, formal logic uh, generalization equals existence, meaning that if you say all A are B, that mm-hmm. means that there is A and there is there are B. Um, if all bears are brown, then there actually are bears and brown things. And mm-hmm. when you study deductive reasoning, formal logic, you will say you will you are taught the exact opposite. Mm. Um, another thing is the, the Watson Glazer have stuff that you can't find on any other uh, verbal reasoning or critical thinking test, which is the unique answer choices like uh, probably true and mm-hmm. probably false. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what it means if you don't uh, read about it and understand it uh, really carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and definitely the probably true versus definitely true and not enough information. I remember those were uh, mm-hmm. the bane of my existence when I was trying to do this test and it can be quite difficult to pick between the two. Um, so I guess let's, let's sort of just talk about the test more generally in terms of its structure. So um most sort of variants of this test is broken down into sort of five key sections which are testing different sort of forms of critical thinking and different ways of approaching a problem um i think it would be really useful if we sort of went through each of those and hopefully people listening can can get at least a bit more of an idea as to what each of them involved um so let's start with one of the first ones which is in inferences how do these sort of work within uh, a watson laser test uh, in the inference uh, section, which is the first section, like you said, mm-hmm. um, you get a passage followed by a statement that you need to decide which of the next uh, five possible answers, five possible options is correct. 
You have true, false, insufficient data, and between them you have probably true and probably false. Mm -hmm. you, you can look at it as a scale from true to false with, with the insufficient data in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, it's really, it's unique because in most, uh, the, what the, um, in, you have many TFC, Mm -hmm. a, a reading comprehension test TFC meaning true false cannot say but you don't have the probably true and probably false mm -hmm. um, we in TFC questions you are instructed to rely solely on the passage to make a conclusion uh, but in this specific uh, section you are actually instructed to also use common knowledge which mm -hmm. is very strange um, and if you need to really determine what is possibly true, think about it that it, it, it's above 50%, it's above chance, mm -hmm. but it's below certainty, it's below 100%, which is mm -hmm. uh, uh, the true, the definitely yeah. true. No, that's a really useful way to, to visually picture it as a scale. And, um, and then there's the second uh, variant of this test, which is or question of variant, which is assumptions as well. So how do these sort of play into the Watson phaser? Yeah, recognizing assumption section. Um, in the in the it can it may look uh, pretty straightforward. You have a short statement and you have an assumption, and you just mm -hmm. need to determine determine between two uh, answer choices if the assumption is made or not made. Um, the problem is that hidden assumption may be elusive. And, uh, you know, hidden assumptions, let me clarify, is unstated pieces of information mm -hmm. that must be true for the argument to be true. Um, I think I can talk forever about, you know, uh, conclusion premises, hidden assumptions, which <laughs> most people know the, the gist. But I think uh, the, the best tip I can give is the, the negative test. Mm -hmm. A good test to see whether we found the hidden assumption is to ask what happens to the conclusion if the assumption is false. Uh, if the conclusion is damaged or it becomes in invalid once the assumption is negated, then the assumption is correct. Mm -hmm. um, I can give an example if you want. Um, for instance, uh, take the argument, Danny is a good boy, he receives great grades at school. Mm -hmm. Let's say that's the, uh, the statement you are given. If you dissect it, it's the conclusion is Danny is a good boy, and the premise is Danny gets great uh, grades. Mm -hmm. The hidden assumption behind it is kids who receive great grades at school are good kids. It's not stated in the st uh, statement, but it's behind it. Mm -hmm. And if we try the negative test, we'll say uh, kids who receive great grades at school are not good kids. And you can clearly see that it's, uh, it hurts the conclusion, and that means the assumption is correct. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a really useful example there of breaking that one down. And I know at the beginning of this episode, we also talked about deductive logic and reasoning and how it can differ. But even more confusingly, the, the Watson Glazer itself also contains a deduction part as well. So what are your sort of tips at this third stage? Um, like you said, the deduction is really like a formal logic. You are presented with a short statement, or you're followed by a conclusion, and you need to determine uh, whether the conclusion necessarily follows the statement. Uh, like you said, uh, this part uh, uses formal logic rules. You have generalization and existence sentences. 
generalization like a, all A are B and existence sentences, meaning uh, there is an A that is also a B. Um, but like I said before, and this is the best tip I can give you, compared to other tests, the Watson Glazer has its own rules, and specifically general, generalization equals existence. Mm -hmm. um, because in the formal logic rules, you can say just all A or B, and it doesn't mean make anything else uh, say. So that's not the case here. Mm -hmm. And then finally, on to the last sort of two sections of this test, the first being interpretations as well. And uh, unfortunately, it's not just kind of thinking of your own interpretation of an answer to a question mm -hmm. and your own opinion. Um, again, there are some more logical rules at play here for this part of the test. So what are your sort of views here? Uh, now, it's very similar to the to section three, the deduction. Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, um, while section three asks us, asks us to decide whether a proposed conclusion necessarily follows, this section asks if the if it follows beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like the probably true uh, segment, but only in this section um, you are you are you are still need to base your conclusion solely on the passage and not use common knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, and another difference is that uh, section three uses formal logic. While this interpretation section is is less formal in that way, mm -hmm. um, it's hard it's hard to, exp uh, to to explain without the simple questions. But uh, our study guides are full with them, mm -hmm. and the uh, practice tests also all, all have uh, full explanations. Mm -hmm. cool. uh, and then this final test section, um, the answering structure is a little bit different for this one as well because it's asking you to evaluate the strength of an argument as being either strong or weak. And I think casting my mind back to my own experiences with the test, this was probably the section that really stumped me the most because um, I think your first instinct when you're asked to evaluate the strength of an argument is to think about your own opinions and thoughts and misconceptions and all this outside knowledge and everything else. Um, so how can you sort of uh, not fall into that trap as a candidate and the best way to, to evaluate a strength of an argument purely based on um, some form of logical reasoning rather than your own opinions and thoughts? The, actually, in the, that, this section, it's, we have a, a technique which mm -hmm. is called the ITDN table. Mm -hmm. uh, important, trivial, directly or not directly. Uh, what you need to do is uh, for, to understand that for an argument to be strong, it must be both important and directly related to the question. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to determine it is weak, it should be and not directly related to the question, even though it may be of great uh, general importance. Mm -hmm. If it's not directly related to the question, it is weak. Weak. Uh, if it is of minor importance, or if it is only related to trivial aspects of the question, mm -hmm. this table actually can really solve you most questions. Uh, and by the way, um, I like this section better than others, so it's really subjective <laughs> uh, for each kind of each person. Yeah, no, for me, it was one I definitely struggled with most out of memory as well.
This episode of the Morphin Law Podcast is sponsored by Job Test Prep. If you're looking to become a lawyer, it's almost certain you'll be expected to complete some form of psychometric testing in your application. Job Test Prep offers the most comprehensive package of everything from practice questions and case studies through to dedicated study guides and diagrams that are all specifically designed to help you score as highly as possible on the market. You'll get access to a diagnostic test designed to help you identify your own strengths and weaknesses before targeted online drills and tests set out to correct them. If you want to learn more, check out the link in this episode's description. But no, a really useful breakdown there of each of the different sections of the test that I think is going to be a, a great way to hopefully help people tailor their sort of approach to, to revision and practice as well. Um, but I think it'd just be generally finally to get some more sort of general tips for the test generally as a whole and uh, your thoughts on how candidates can sort of best prepare themselves, uh, you know, looking beyond just the individual sections of each, each section. Um, first of all, try uh, to gather as much of the information as you can. Uh, we have plenty of information and practice tests and uh, sample questions. Um, and, uh, and, you, and the second, uh, and, and we're not the only, we have many competitors and try to, to read as much as you can, mm-hmm. but also try to practice only Watson Glazer-like questions. Because if you practice generic uh, critical thinking questions, it can hurt you more than, your, more than it will help you. Mm-hmm. Um, the Watson Glazer is not easy, and you should prepare for it. That's the bottom line. Um, if you know the test is coming, you can even prepare for it uh, in advance, even before you get the exam inv- invitation or even before you apply. You know you are going to Clifford Chance. You see, you know that your CV will probably make the the next stage. Prepare for it a month a month before, two months before. These uh, I wanted to say that the, these times can be very stressful. You know, the these certain the last uh, six months, mm-hmm. um, and it can be full of disappointments. And should and you should just do everything you can to make the list and get the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for help and information. I have my email. I'll give it to you in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't rely solely on your set on your set skills because people will think I know I'm good I know I'm I'm valuable and I will be a great uh, employee mm-hmm. so I know I don't need to do the test I don't the, what what is this test for me uh, don't they see I'm uh, I can be a great employee and that's mm-hmm. not the right way to go um, because this first uh, you know after you you give you your CV, and before you get the personal interview, you, the the employers just screen a, a very big pool of candidates through these tests. Not only the Watson Glazer, all the pre-employment screening tests. Um, nowadays, everybody's practicing, everybody's preparing. You do everything you can. Well, thank you so much for for coming on the show and for sharing each of your insights into each of these different sections. I'm sure people listening will have found it really, really useful. Um, Where can people go to learn more about yourself as well as the sort of things we talked about today? Ah, Of course. Uh, First of all, job test prep. It's easy to find. Uh, And if you Google Watson Glazer test or Watson Glazer sample questions, practice test, you will find us on Google. We're, We're at the top or nearly at the top. Um, and not just for the Watson Glazer, for every test you will find. Uh, you can find my email address at the, the site and me and my colleagues. My email is ask uh, lower dash arbel mm-hmm. uh, at 
uh, jobtestprep.com. And you can find also our YouTube video for the Watson Glazer that my colleague Shlomik has made. Mm-hmm. Um, and good luck. What else can I say? <laughs> no, perfect. Thank you, Albert. It was a pleasure. I'll be sure to link all of those in the description of this episode as well so people can um, can go to listen. But anyway, for now, thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with me. It was great to Thank you, Harry. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to another installment of the More From Law podcast. If you want to keep up to date with the show and make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and sign up to my newsletter over at www.harryclarklaw.com. You can also follow me on most social media channels at the handle Harry Clark Law. If you enjoyed the show, please give it a rating and a review on the iTunes store as this helps others learn about the show and be sure to share it with your networks. You can also support the show by donating to my Patreon, which helps support the running and production costs of the show. For now though, I'll see you in the next episode of More From Law.